Good morning, folks. We want to welcome you to our Sunday School time here at the Kerwinsville Christian Church. Why don't we just go ahead and get right into our lesson this morning. We're in Lesson 3 in our study, The Days of the King, looking at First and Second Samuel and also First Chronicles. And so today we're going to look at chapters 4 through verse 1 of chapter 7. So let me kind of just bring you up to speed with what we've looked at so far with our study. Last week we looked at the rising of a prophet, chapters 1 to 3, looking at how God called Samuel, his birth, his calling. And in the midst of that story, we saw the Lord pronouncing judgment on the house of Eli. In fact, the last thing that was told to Eli through Samuel, remember through the boy Samuel, was is that God was getting ready to do something that would send shockwaves through all of Israel and that his sons, Eli, would die. The sons of Eli would die. So let's take a look. We're going to look, first of all, at chapter, chapter 4, and we're going to focus today, these three chapters, concerning the Ark of the Covenant. So let's remind ourselves what the Ark of the Covenant was. Remember the tabernacle, there were different places in the tabernacle, then you came to the holy place, and then the most holy place, which was behind the veil, where the Ark of the Covenant would be, and that's where the high priest would go once a year on the Day of Atonement and make atonement for the sins of ignorance of God's people, of the Jews. And it would often be carried into battle and so forth during the time of Moses and Joshua. And so we're going to see a reference to that today in these three chapters. A very significant event happens. So let's look at it today. Again, we're not going to read the verses. We're going to focus, however, on certain verses as we go along. So let's go ahead and look at chapter 4. Now chapter 4, verse 1, talks about Samuel again, how he's maturing, how he's growing, how he's recognized as a prophet. Then you come to verse 2, and you're going to see that Israel went out to battle against the Philistines and were defeated, losing 4,000 men. So it doesn't say exactly when this battle took place because they battled against the Philistines often, but there was a particular battle that took place. Israel was in Ebenezer, Philistines were in Apec, and they met in battle, and Israel was defeated, and they lost 4,000 men. 4,000 men. Now, what normally happens when you have a battle and especially when you have a defeat, you go back and you look at why was this, why did we get defeated? What happened? In particular, with Israel, they're going to ask questions about where was God? Okay? Where was God? So the people questioned why the Lord allowed their defeat as they called for the ark. So they're, they're sitting there, they're wondering among themselves, why did this defeat happen? Why were we? Why did we lose? We're we're the people of God. We're the army of God. Why did we lose to the Philistines? Oh, it must be because we don't have the Ark of the Covenant with us. So let's bring the Ark, and the Ark will defeat the Philistines. 
In fact, I want you to listen to what they say. I mean, I think it's very important that you see what the writer is saying here in chapter 4. And here's what he says. Verse 3, Let us bring the ark of the covenant of the Lord from Shiloh to us, and when it comes among us, it may save us from the hand of our enemies. You notice what they're saying. Let us bring the ark among us. It's almost like God's not among us right now. Let us bring it, the ark, among us, and it, the ark, will save us. The interesting thing about their language is they're not saying the Lord. Why isn't the Lord with us? Let's bring the Lord, let the Lord be among us. Let the Lord deliver us. They're kind of viewing the ark as some kind of special significant thing. Special significant thing. And I think that's very, very interesting. And we're going to continue to see more here. Okay? So, they believed that the presence of the ark would give them victory over the Philistines. They believed that the presence of the ark would give them victory over the Philistines. Now, I just got to make a couple of comments here because I think this is significant when you look at the narrative and when you understand the history. Again, because we're talking about that period of the judges. And remember, in Judges, it says several times in the latter part when it describes the times that people did what was right in their own eyes. What has happened to them is rather than understanding the presence of God in the midst of God's people as they had before, they began to reduce themselves down to thinking in terms that are basically human. So now they think that the ark itself is God or is special and its presence will cause them to do things. This happens with humanity. It happens even in our circles, in our churches. We sometimes ascribe significance to things as if those things were what caused God to do something rather than thinking in terms of it was God. So for instance, back some of you are older, if you could think back to years ago, churches had different things up on the platform. Some churches had what they called was an altar rail. It was a rail down front and when people would come down, they would come and do business with God at the altar rail or at the altar. What ends up happening is, is that through time, they get rid of those things. Now, if you can still go to some churches that are small, you will still find an altar rail. Now, but I want you to hear me. What ends up happening is, is that people forget it is God who does the work in the hearts of people, and they begin to ascribe some sort of spiritual significance to the altar rail or to a Bible. It's the Bible. If we had that Bible. No, 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 you don't understand. That's not where the power comes from. The power comes from the presence of God, not some item. And that's what they're doing here among the Israelites at this time 
in the days of Eli is that they're ascribing that the ark, now the ark was holy and the ark does kill people, but it's God who kills people because he has made that a sacred item. But it's God, not the ark. Do you understand? The ark doesn't have the power. So they believe the presence of the ark would give them victory over the Philistines. Now, here's what happens. They bring the ark. So Eli's sons, the priests, brought the ark to the camp of Israel, and the people gave a great shout. So here comes the ark. You can see the frenzy happening. Oh, here's the ark, and all of Israel is giving out a great shout, God is among us, because we brought the ark to us. Okay? We brought the ark to us. Now, the Philistines, who are across the valley, they hear this great shout, and the Philistines were afraid of the ark. They're like, what's going on here, the passage says. Oh, God, the God who defeated the Egyptians is, is among us now. And so they were afraid of the ark, and they encouraged their troops to remain strong. Basically, you guys, you just fight, because if we lose, we become their slaves. We become their slaves. Now, okay, so you would think, all right, they're going to have a victory. They've got the ark. Well, that's not what happens. Israel was defeated. Eli's sons were killed. And get this, and the ark was captured. Israel was defeated. Major loss. Eli's sons, the priests, they were killed because they would be with the ark. And of course, because they're with the ark and they're getting killed, the ark now is captured by the Philistines. Whoa! Are you kidding me? Yes. The ark of the covenant, which was where the presence of God would be in the most holy place, very sacred item, specific regulations of how it was to be carried. You dare not do something wrong with the ark or you would be killed. It's now captured by the ungodly, the wicked Philistines. Now, the passage then goes on. When we get past that part, we get back to the issue of Eli. Okay, We're getting back to the high priest, Eli. So a Benjamite, a man of Benjamin, fled from the battlefield and made his way to Shiloh, where Eli was waiting. Now the passage tells you that Eli was waiting nervously. He was waiting anxiously. He wasn't anxious about his sons. He was anxious about the Ark of the Covenant. He was anxious about that most holy piece of furniture from the temple. And so... He's waiting there. Here comes this Benjamite. Eli inquired about the great uproar. It, it, New King James says tumult, which means an uproar. He inquired about the great uproar that was happening, and the man gave the report to him. So the man says, well, there was a defeat, and your sons were killed, and the ark was captured. Here's the next thing we're going to see. It's very interesting. Upon hearing about the ark, Eli fell backward. So he's probably sitting on a stool. He falls backward, broke his neck, and died. Now the text tells us 
that he, by this point of age, even though he, earlier we saw that he's, he's beginning to lose his eyesight, but the text tells us by this point he has become quite heavy. And so with him falling back because of his size, he broke his neck and he died. And thus ends the priesthood of the high priest, Eli. But the text goes on. It goes on. When Eli's daughter-in-law heard the news, she went into labor. She was pregnant. She was the wife of one of the sons who was killed. She was carrying a child at this point. But when she heard the news concerning the Ark of the Covenant, she immediately goes into labor. She gave birth to a son who was named Ichabod. And she died. She died giving, the text tells us. And they named the boy Ichabod. Now, what does Ichabod mean? Ichabod means the glory has departed from Israel. Remember, when they named their children, they didn't name their children kind of like we do. Well, like, for instance, my name is George Ray Cannon Jr. I was named after my dad. Sometimes we pick traditional names or we name them after a relative or something. In their culture, they named children based upon what was happening. And at this time, this child was born when the glory of Israel had departed. When the glory of Israel, which was the Ark of the Covenant, representing the presence of God, had departed from Israel. So they named the child Ichabod. That brings us to the end of chapter 4. Now we get to chapter 5. And we're going to talk about the ark among the Philistines. Now this is interesting. You wonder, how did they find this information out? Well, probably, if you remember later, when we see at the latter part of 1 Samuel, David is among the Philistines. So he probably heard what happened and relayed that information, which would be ultimately written down in this book. So let's talk about the ark among the Philistines. We're going to see that in chapter 5, verses 1 through 12. And it's not pretty, folks. We can actually divide this chapter into two sections. We can talk about the humiliation of Dagon. We'll tell you who Dagon is in a minute. And the whole issue, the plague of tumors. The plague of tumors. So let's talk about it. First of all, the Philistines brought the ark and set it by the god Dagon. Now here's what they would do. And this was the thinking that took place in the ancient times. And you'll see it referred to later on with reference to the gods of the defeated. So here they are, they have defeated Israel, that means their God is bigger than Israel's God. And so they have the ark, which in their mind, they're thinking is the Israeli God. So they bring it to the temple of their God, which is Dagon. And so they would bring the ark and set it before the idol as in submission to their God, Dagon. All right, so the text is telling you that. So here's what happens. In the morning, they found the idol on its face 
before the ark. So in the morning, the priests go back into the temple. They come to where Dagon is. Maybe they got to do some rituals there or whatever. And there is the ark. But this time, something's different because in the morning, the idol of Dagon is on its face before the Ark of the Covenant. Like, how did that happen? Okay, how did that happen? What's going on here? So they reset the idol in its proper place. Okay, they reset the idol in its proper place. All right, you kind of know where this story's going, right? It gets better, all right? In the morning, they found the idol on its face again, and the hands were broken off. Basically, you get the impression the arms were broken off of the idol. So again, in the morning, they come in. They think everything's going to be fine, but there it is. The idol is on its face again in front of the ark. This time, its hands, its arms, it's just a torso is there. It's broken off. Wow. Kind of like saying that God is in submission to the God of God, the Lord of Lords, the God of the universe, Yahweh. Now, it's interesting because the writer says, because of the destruction of their idol, the priests would not enter that temple area again. It was so embarrassing what happened that the priests in that temple, they wouldn't tear down their temple, but they just didn't go to that temple. They called it the threshold. They wouldn't go to that section of the temple again. Isn't that interesting? Yeah, but that's not the only thing that happens with the ark. Something else happens, and it's far more devastating. The Lord struck Ashdod. See, that's where the ark is. It's in Ashdod. You can still go today to Israel, to Ashdod, all right? And the Lord struck Ashdod and ravaged them with tumors. So when the ark comes there, guess what happens, folks? The plague happens. The plague. Now, scholars believe what is taking place here is something connected with the bubonic plague. Pestilence happens among them. And he ravaged Ashdod with tumors, okay? With tumors. So the men of Ashdod concluded that the ark must leave and sent the ark to Ekron. Probably what's happening here is, is they're wise guys who are there, they're wise men, they're soothsayers, they're priests and everything are figuring out, okay, when did this plague start? Oh, it started after we brought the Israeli ark to our town okay we better get it out of here send it to ekron which is another major city among the philistines now i need to remind you the philistines inhabited the area of what we would call today modern gaza gaza okay so they sent the ark to ekron and again same thing here the lord struck ekron and ravaged them with tumors as well. So again, Ekron now is being struck with tumors and ravaged them. It's like a widespread plague happening in all of Ekron. So the people called for the Lord of the Philistines 
to send the ark away. You can almost see what's going on here. Well, it's, it's ravaging Ekron. Let's send it somewhere else. Well, the people they want to send it to, no, no, don't you bring that here. And they're like, you need to send it away. Get rid of it. We don't need it. Okay? We don't need it. Get it away from us. Their gods are heavy upon us. All right? So they call for the Lord of the Philistines to send the ark away. To chapter 6, which is very interesting. Okay? Chapter 6 tells us about the return of the ark, how the Philistines returned the ark to Israel. Okay? So after being among the Philistines seven months, okay? So this is taking place over a period of seven months. They sought how to return it. All right? You're thinking, well, just send it back. No, no, no. They, they understand something's going on here. They're being ravaged by these tumors, this pestilence, this plague. They understand that they have offended the God of Israel. They've got to figure out what to do to send the ark back. So they get their, their soothsayers, their, their wise men, their, their priests, their holy men to figure out what needs to be done. So they decided to send it back with a trespass offering. Now a trespass offering is when I've done something to offend you, I make offering to you to appease the offense. So they decided to send back the ark with five golden tumors and five golden rats. Why rats? Well, remember, I said to you, scholars believe that this is the bubonic plague. Well, we know from when the bubonic plague ravaged Europe, the source was the fleas on the rats. The fleas were the source of the plague, which were on the rats. I think it's interesting that you see here that the text is, is that they're wise enough to know that the rats have something to do in connection with this plague of tumors that is on them. So they decide to send back the ark, but with a trespass offering of five golden tumors, something in the shape of the tumors, as well as five golden rats. They felt that giving God the glory would lighten the judgment against them. So they, if you look at the text, it's very interesting. They reflect back on what God did to the Egyptians. They reflect back on what God did to the Egyptians. If you go to chapter 6, verse 6, he says, Why then do you harden your hearts as the Egyptians and Pharaoh hardened their hearts? When he did mighty things among them, did they not let the people go that they might depart? So they're saying, let's not be like the Egyptians. When God was heavy with them, they let the people depart. Hey, let's make sure here we've got his, the ark here. Let's not offend him anymore because his hand is heavy upon us with these tumors and stuff. Let's send back the ark, okay? So they felt that giving God the glory might lighten the judgment against them. Now, they would put the ark on a new cart with two cows whose calves were taken away. All right, now let's stop for a moment because you're probably thinking, wait, 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 George. 
God commanded that the ark be carried on two poles by the Levites. And that's how Israel was to handle the ark. You're exactly right. That's what the law says. But you need to remember we're dealing with Philistines. Do they know the law? No. Do they know how to handle the Ark of the Covenant? Nope. So it only makes sense. We got to get rid of it. How do we get rid of it? Put it on a new cart. So they're not just getting any old cart. They recognize that it's God. They put it on a new cart. But here's what they do. It's very interesting. It's almost like they want to be sure that it is. Maybe it isn't. So they get two milk cows, two dairy cows, who are new, who have calves. And they will take the calves away from the dairy cart, from the dairy calves, and they'll hook the cart to it. All right? They'll hook the cart to it. Now, why are they doing that? Well, the text tells you, all right, well, let me just kind of go ahead. If the ark returned to Israel on its own, it was God who struck them. So they're, they're not sure, but they think it's the Lord, and this is what we'll do, but just in case, we'll use two nursing cows, take their calves away, if it goes back to Israel, because that's not what the inclination of those cows are going to be. They're going to be wanting to be with their calves. If it goes back to Israel, it's God who struck us. But if the calves stay and don't want to go and they want to go where their calves are, then it isn't God at all. This whole plague has nothing to do with God. That's what their thinking is here. Okay, That's what their thinking is here. So the cart with the calves headed to the territory of Israel. Just as soon as it was to go, that cart went. Those cows went. They didn't look back. They didn't consider their own calves. They just went. Guess it must have been the Lord, huh? And the people, the Israelites who were in the fields when they saw the Ark of the Covenant coming on this cart with these calves rejoiced to see it. They rejoiced to see it, okay? They were excited that the ark was back among them. So the cart and the calves were offered to the Lord as an offering. So they got Levites. The Levites took the ark off of the cart. They took the wood from the cart, made a fire for the sacrifice, for the wood for the sacrifice, and they sacrificed the two milk calves to the Lord as a burnt offering, okay? As a burnt offering. The Philistine lords observed this and returned to Ekron. So obviously what was happening here, as the ark made its way back to the territory of Israel, it was being followed by the Philistine lords to see what was going on. They wanted to see this for themselves, and they saw that the cart headed right back to Israel, when Israel got it, they did what they did, made their sacrifices, and so the Philistine lords returned, recognizing, man, this was the hand of God upon them. Now, the writer then, in the latter part of chapter 6, acknowledged the golden tumors and rats for each of the Philistine lords and cities. Okay, So he points out what each one of these tumors and rats represented, okay? Now, here's the problem. 
here's the problem, because you remember, it's not like all of a sudden everything got right in Israel. Things aren't right in Israel. So guess what happens? You ever heard the statement, curiosity kills the cat? Well, the Israelites, obviously not remembering what they're dealing with here, some of them decide that they want to look inside the ark. Wrong thing to do. So the Lord killed some of the Israelites because they looked into the ark. You would think they would know better. And then guess what? Those folks who were there who have the ark, they're like calling another, hey, the ark is here, come get it. Get it away from us. Because they realize what they're dealing with. Something that's holy, the presence of God in their midst. Okay? Something that's holy. Something that's holy to God. So the ark was sent to another area and brought to the house of Abinadab. And it would stay there until the time of David. That's a lot of years, folks. A lot of years. All right, so that ends lesson three. Lesson three. Next week, when we look at this, we're going to get into lesson four, and we're going to be looking at now, because of the times, because of the uncertainty of the times, because people are doing what they will want to do in their own eyes, because of the instability of the times, when they should be stabilized in the Lord, the people will demand a king. And they'll demand it from the prophet Samuel. And that's what we're going to look at next week.